had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Could make me be true. Could the magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. It had to be you. Wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Had to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mother. And we are trying something new uh, with this episode. We're going to be doing, um, like, themed episodes based on a topic relating to romantic comedies or romance in general. And seeing as uh, when this episode comes out, it will be Pride Month. I uh, This episode, we're going to be looking at uh, queer romantic comedies, queer romances, things like that. And I have with me here a very special guest who has graciously accepted the invitation to try out this new format with me, uh, Matt St. Clair. How's it going? Hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah, doing doing okay. It's kind of a weird time to be talking about, you know, romance with everything going on in the world. This is we're recording this in the end of May, so but you know, hopefully this will be a nice distraction for at least the two of us, if not people listening. Um, so, um, Matt, just wanted to uh, talk to you about kind of this like queer romance films, and um, what would you say is something that? And I have not prepared you for these questions at all, so <laughs> sorry about that. But um, <laughs> so what are some things that you uh, look for in kind of a queer romance movies, or is there anything that you are like uh, like seeing in movies or want to see more of in sort of the queer romantic comedy, queer romance uh, genre? Well, one thing I love to see more of is where, is one where, forget, forgive me if this, if this sounds morbid, but where one where the main couple is alive at the very last shot. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cause my, 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 in, because my, uh, intro to queer cinema in general was movies like Boys Don't Cry, Philadelphia, movies that end in movies that end in tragedy. So Yeah. It, it is important to me that we have more queer romances that that are not only are into aren't polit they're not only a, not only aren't political but have a happy resolution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really great point. Um, you know, like, I, yeah, I guess, like, one of my earliest queer movies was Brokeback Mountain, you know, which is another one that ends in in tragedy. And, uh, you know, it's something that I hadn't really noticed until I was, like, studying. Not, I mean, not studying, but, like, reading more about, like, queer film and, like, the queer cinema movement and how a lot of these sort of end in... Um, you know, and in, you know, death or, or something like that. Or, yeah, and, like, kind of related to that, like, you know, I don't really want to see too much of, like, you know, a hate crime or bullying or even kind of any kind of, um, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, hatred or prejudice, bias, things like that. I mean, like, that stuff is very real. You know, we all... 
we all deal with it but like when it comes to you know romance i'm like i kind of want the fantasy of like not that you know where people can just like exist um and one thing that i also am kind of sick of is the coming out narrative um just because like i mean obviously coming out is something that's like i would say unique to the queer experience you know almost everyone under that umbrella has to you know come out and has that be a big and it's a big thing but i feel like there's a lot of movies that are about that and i want to see queer movies about you know either like adults or you know teenagers who are just like out and like the arc of the movie is like the romance you know um something that like book smart i think did really well you know and that that avoided the coming out and just was about you know a queer young woman who i believe she identified as lesbian right or was she by this is caitlin dever's character Uh, um i believe she's she identifies as a lesbian. Yeah. So, like, the, her whole thing in the movie is, like, I'm just kind of trying to get, get with this girl. And there's no drama about, like, will she be accepted? She just is. And that's, you know, as, as important as, as it is, you know, for us to see, uh, you know, coming out stories because they're, I think they're very helpful for young queer people. I think it might be also helpful to see um, people who are already out kind of still dealing with you know romantic issues um so what would you say is like one of your favorite um queer romance films well uh anyone who follows me on twitter knows that i am a i i am head over heels in love with god's own country yeah <laughs> uh, uh even though i i don't i'm not a i'm not a much of a i'm not a big crier i just always feel like I'm going to cry buckets, but every time I watch the end. Yeah, and uh, what is it about that that romance that really, you know, gets to you? I I mean, I've seen that you've watched it many times in the last... Because, like, it was streaming for a while, um, and uh, I've noticed that you had watched it a few times, so what, what makes you kind of turn back to it often? Well... Well, one thing is the uh, the chemi- well the chemistry between uh, Josh O'Connor and Alex Secariano. Mm-hmm. The one thing how I like I was just like when in the end where Josh O'Connor's character gets on that coach bus to go back with us, it's like yes, yes, get get your man. Yeah, <laughs> and also and also it's also a. It depicts the working class gay perspective. Yeah. And given how I come from that social background, it hit pretty close to home. Mm-hmm. And and also and also Josh O'Connor in knitted sweaters. <laughs> yeah, I mean the knitted sweaters. I mean I have never really paid attention to that as a costume, but I feel like they've you know I think thanks to uh, Chris Evans, you know they've become uh, and more famous. And if- <laughs> Yeah, and of, of and, course yeah. I, and of Go course ahead. I also, I also like most of film Twitter. I also again, where I feel on film Twitter, I do love "Call Me by Your Name," but which came out the same year. And as as much as I adore that film, it's I guess it it's still hard for me to relate to someone who got to spend his summers in an Italian villa. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, Call Me By Your Name, I think, is, like, I think one of... I, it's interesting, like, I think a lot of people have that same kind of criticism of that, like, it's just almost too, like, picturesque and too ideal, and I agree with that, but I also think that, like, there's something to be said about, like, that level of fantasy, um, and, like, I think it's very much intentional. I don't think that movie is, like, trying to be, you know, a relatable... Thing. Um, I think God's Own Country is probably far more relatable and uh, grounded. Um, yeah, I mean, I have not seen that movie um, since it came out in theaters. I, I missed it when it was streaming, but I remember it being like a very um, like gritty movie and having like um, like there's almost like some kind of like aggressiveness, you know, be- aggressiveness in the chemistry between the the two leads, and I found that to be very interesting. Um, because I think that's like it's a it's like a unique take on sort of uh, gay romance. Because I think sometimes like gay romance can seem very like um, can kind of go into like tweeness, where it's like oh like do they like me? You know, do I like them? Yeah. Like are they like queer? Am I reading too much into it? You know, stuff like that. So uh, I like that. It was a very like the chemistry between them was very. Um, very erotic if i you know yeah um and yeah. what about something in like the more like comedic sense um like oh yeah as for like comedic romances it's hard for me it's hard for me to say because it's because it's hard because i've never really it's sad to me to say i haven't seen many mm-hmm. but the only one the only light queer romances that I have seen are ones within a that depict a coming of age narrative like a, yeah not just a book smart but also a, I don't know if you see this but a, the way he looks from Brazil uh no I haven't seen that um would you like to talk a little bit about it yeah sure it's about a uh, it's about a it's about a kid named uh, Leo who is uh who's blind and is often uh, ostracized by his students, but uh, and when 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 a uh, a new kid uh, enters his a new kid uh, transfers into his class, he starts to now now I does he develop feelings for him, but things get complicated once his best friend once his best friend and classmate uh, has feelings for for him as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's, yeah. it's sort it's sort of like in a way it's sort of like the half of it by by Alice Wu. Yeah. But it's uh, a very it was a it was actually a when it came out uh six years ago the way he looks was a Brazil's submission for best foreign language film, but it sadly missed the shortlist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember hearing a lot about it um, when it came out, and people saying that it was very, like, sweet, uh, you know, kind of dramedy, um, and very, yeah, very well done. I need to catch it, yeah. I think, like, for me, one of my, I mean, I think a movie that I really like is uh, Kissing Jessica Stein. I think this movie is, like, from 2001, 2002, Um but I feel like it's the kind of movie that might not have aged well just because it's about a woman who kind of dabbles in lesbianism or, like, dabbles in having a relationship with a woman. And I don't think the movie really... 
um, took a side on like whether she would be identifying as bisexual or or straight, but bi curious. Like I think it's kind of like um, it's a. I I feel like there was um, like some like uh, trickiness there that I, I'm not sure the movie resolved as well as um, it could be. This is the um, uh, Jennifer Westfeld film. Uh, which she co-wrote and uh, or wrote and produced, um, and I mean, I remember like as a film itself, you know, it was a really entertaining, fun movie, and really, uh, I think, in some ways, groundbreaking in, in terms of its depiction of you know, like women's sexuality and, and bisexuality. Um, it, yeah, it's. I'm not sure if it's aged well. I haven't watched it. Like I watched it a number of years ago, and I remember really enjoying it and like kind of giving it a good review and thinking very highly of it. And then reading about it and <laughs> realizing that it's not as you know, uh, so, maybe sophisticated. I guess it kind of has that like chasing Amy thing where it's like you know a woman who identifies as like lesbian kind of involved becoming involved with a man and. Yeah, things like that. So it's, but it's like, but then also, you know, like sexuality is fluid. So, you know, it it may it may have like accidentally aged better than its reputation. So, yeah, I think I if you it. haven't seen that movie, it's worth worth checking out. I think. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. Um and yeah so, um, what like another thing that I've been thinking about is uh like representation in queer romance movies uh, and of course you have a movie like Moonlight which is you know half coming of age half I mean I would even ca- I would like kind of barely call it a romance I mean it is but it's very much you know a coming of age movie um but like <laughs> you know a, a lot of like these like queer movies that come up they are very much like about you know like white people and or if they have any kind of diversity it seems a little like ham-fisted or a little forced or a little stereotypical um and even movies that i love to watch like call me by your name or kissing jessica stein or chasing amy they're very much like white focused and i just like want to not only see like racial diversity but like body diversity like um queerness diversity you know just like and, it's you, you know it's, oh, so go ahead i was gonna say and also uh cl- class diversity yeah 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 and i mean this kind of brings me to uh love simon which is the movie that i watched uh in preparation to this podcast just because like i you know that movie to me is like the most mainstream like st- you know straight down the middle queer romantic comedy that's like not independent it's like a studio movie with like Maybe not big name actors, but like definitely up and coming. Like, I, I always call this like generation of actors like CW ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like Netflix original ready. Um, and it was like pitched as like sort of like, I, I believe it's like the first studio romantic comedy with uh, a gay lead. And, you know, I was watching it today and half my brain was like, um, criticizing it for not depicting like a more relatable experience, but the other half being like, well, you know, like kids like deserve that level of like fantasy. Like they deserve to have that like level of like super idealized, you know, almost like no stakes, 
kind of romantic comedy with a with like a, a gay you know, young man in the lead just because like yeah um, you know it's it's like kind of like the same thing as like watching like a you know a, a heterosexual romantic comedy where it's like yeah it's all fantasy it's all idealized and like the point is to like watch it and enjoy it not have it be like a dissertation on like the queer experience so i know you haven't seen love simon in a while but i want you if you can like recall your thoughts from when you last saw it well, I remember when I saw it in a theater, it was a very cathartic experience. Because mm-hmm. during a, even during the climactic uh, kiss scene, I remember thinking, thinking of how it would have meant so much to, uh, it would have meant uh, so much to thirteen or fourteen year old me. Yeah. Because it was around that time where I was starting to, uh, I was starting to have a where I was starting to have my gay awakening. Yeah. It, it's so funny, like, when I saw it in the theater, and even, like, when I saw it now, like, part of me was, like, resenting it, just because, like, I didn't have it, or a movie like that, when I was, you know, like, yeah, 14, 15, 16, and just being, like, oh, like, like, why didn't I, like, I... It, it was weird. Like, it's kind of the thing where, like, sometimes you do see yourself represented or, like, see something that's, like, aiming to represent you. It's, like, you almost, like, reject it because it's not, like, exactly that. So, um, and, like, but then some, like, it, it's so funny, like, watching it and, like, I was, like, yeah, like, this movie's so idealized. Like, there's almost no stakes him coming out. Like, clearly his parents, like, no matter how much they joke or they're, like, clueless or whatever, like, there's no way they're gonna like kick him out. Like it's just it's like not even that kind of movie, right? Where they, there's even a possibility yeah. they would like kick him out or like beat him up or whatever. And even like with his friends, like I'm just like yeah, like this schools as as like annoying as like some of like the like more like bullying kind of characters are. Like it just like doesn't seem like he would be like kicked out or anything. So there's just, like no stakes to it, and like that part was like kind of annoying to me. But then at the same time, I was like, well it's idealized but like maybe that's like necessary and you know maybe it's necessary that he's this like very normal like teen white guy you know and who has who's not like overtly femme or like overtly you know queer like he's just like i mean i hate this term but like straight passing you know yeah so it's like because there's like no stakes then like young kids can like um i don't know like graft their you know own experiences onto him and take away from the film whatever whatever they need um and that now i'm also thinking like yeah like this movie can just be like a john hughes movie or like um uh like a or like a very like typical like or Penny marshall or amy herkeling movie just with the gate like it can be that and that's fine you know yeah here are your burnt tops because you have horrible taste. Here's your green banana because you like disgusting things. Mm-hmm. Wow, you guys are weird. Yep, they're practically Cantonese twins. Siamese. Yeah, Siamese. Yeah, agree to disagree. I don't think that's one of those things where you can agree to disagree. Agree. It's just right. To each his own. Oreos. <laughs> Man, I love this. Halloween ones are the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so guys, I have great news. My aunt's boyfriend just took off with her car and all her jewelry. Oh, Graham, that's uh, terrible news. I know, but it's like the third time it's happened to her. She has really bad taste in them. 
<laughs> Anyways, my mom is going down to Orlando to deal with it, which means I get to throw a Halloween party. Awesome! Oh, nice. Thank you, Bram's dumbass aunt. All right, this is gonna be epic, you guys. Uh, I can bring my karaoke machine. All right, hey, hey, guys, Halloween party Friday night. <laughs> hey, Friday night Halloween party, okay, Bram's really house. This be there. Now, right? Hey, little guy, Me? Halloween party Friday night, Bram's house. Be there. You're gonna freak him out, man. Yeah. I know. He's like nine years old. Very relieved that we're in agreement on Oreos. That would have been a deal breaker for me. On a totally different, non-cookie related note, is it weird that I have no idea what you look like, but I can't stop thinking about kissing you? Simon. Simon. Eyes on your own test. I don't have any like thoughts about this, but like it almost seemed like too chast. Like, just from like, like, it felt like Simon was just like had like no sexuality. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you like. I mean, like he like makes jokes about like crushing on like Daniel Radcliffe, and like there's like one scene of him checking out someone, but like his entire like like in his like letters to like the secret admirer, like there's almost no talk of sex. Like it's all very like. Um, family friendly. I mean, I, like, I'm not expecting him to be like on grinder, like, you know, like hooking up in the bushes or whatever. But like, it, he felt weirdly sexless when I watched it this time. And like, I'm wondering if, like, not just like in this movie, but in like the general like queer movie thing, like, have you noticed a pattern of like queer characters being like? Um, not having much of a like sex life, but unless it's a movie that's about like sex, like God's Own Country, like or in Call Me Your Name, like they're about like sexual attraction in a way. But um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Well, I, I definitely notice that uh, movies like Love Simon are are less frank, sexually frank. Movies like Love Simon that are less sexually frank are present within a studio system yeah whereas calling by your name and god's own country are independent films mm-hmm. and it's something we also we also see and that's also something we we see in a non-us non-us films like mm-hmm. movies that, like queer films and from france or the uk like god's own country or weekend Same. yeah oh weekend for sure yeah yeah, I mean, I guess, like, for me, like, even something that's, like, independent here in the States, I mean, even a movie like Call Me By Your Name or Moonlight, you know, I still feel like there's, like, a hesitation to have, like, um, gay sexuality. And, um, like, in Moonlight, I don't think they, I think aside from, like, the sort of, like, midpoint you know, seen on, on the beach. I don't think the adult Tyrone or or Kevin like show physical affection aside from like the cuddling at the end. Even calling by your name, like there isn't much like the like the sexuality in calling by your name is all about that like build up, but like they don't really have yeah. they, like kinda have a sex scene, but like not really. <laughs> There's a yeah, card meeting like they leave, there. They yeah, they kinda leave it up, leave most of it up to the imagination. Yeah, so 
Uh, but to be fair, Call Me By Your Name does have an erotic atmosphere. Yeah, since, right. Since since Timmy and Army are running around shirtless or in their bathing suits throughout most of the movie, but yeah, like I mean, in uh, like that, but like yeah, exactly. In like that movie, it's like it's yeah, the atmosphere, the the vibe of the movie is like very charged. Um, but yeah, I guess like with like Love Simon, just like watching it today, I'm like, he's like, I guess like. I I guess I'm just not in the headspace of like a teen anymore, so I'm like, why? Yeah. Is he, like, I like I'm trying to remember back when I was like that age, like what? Because <laughs> like I mean like I was thinking, oh maybe he just like doesn't know what like grinder is or like doesn't have access to that kind of thing, but like his there's a joke at the end of it of his dad being like, oh grinder is just, is like Facebook, you know, and like that's a great it's a great joke, but like. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, so he knows what it is, but like, has he downloaded it? Like, is he exploring in that way? Like, you know, and I, I mean, I know, I'm just like trying to like think back to like my own experiences. Um, but, you know, I was saying earlier that like, I don't like, I'm like, I'm kind of tired of coming out stories. Um, although Love Simon is very much a coming out story that it has like one of the best, I think. I think yeah. one of the best, like, monologues about acceptance, you know, from Jennifer Garner as his mother's character. And it rivals Michael Stuhlbarg's monologue from Calling By Your Name as, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the, it's, like, the kind of, like, dialogue that, like, I think queer people watching it all want to hear from their own family if, if they haven't. Um, yes. If there's any, yeah, if there's any other uh, light, light queer, uh, any other queer coming-of-age story that, uh, that with a coming out narrative that I do that I do admire. It's uh, another one that came out the same year. That's uh, Blockers. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk but about that because because uh, with a uh, Gideon Adlin's character. Because what I love about what I love about it is how even though it's a raw, R-rated raunchy comedy that and raunchy and a, a subgenre that's often prone to gay jokes. Mm-hmm. Her jokes. And Allie has a, and Allie has a queer, a queer character, but her, it does. It's never a huge plot point, and they never make any, they never make her, uh, they never turn her sexuality into a punchline. Yeah. And no. There, exactly. there, and I do feel like there's something to be said about the fact that it wasn't marketed in the trailer, but. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like, uh, yeah, it wasn't marketed in the trailer, but I don't think they really marketed much of, like, the young girls' plot lines in the trailer. Like, I think it was just, a, right. like, a generic, like, they want to have sex, you know, and the parents have to stop them. But it wasn't, like, they weren't hiding uh, Gideon Adlin's kind of arc. They were just, like, it was just, like, part of the... Like yeah. it, it felt very natural. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like, uh, yeah, like they weren't making fun of her. It was just like, oh, like this is just what I'm, you know, what I'm into. And yeah, I think that that's a great. I have kind of forgot about blockers, um, but yeah, I think it did it did it pretty well. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. The movie was a sleeper hit, but it feels kind of forgotten. Yeah. It was it was also the film that introduced me to Geraldine Viswanathan, so 
Oh yeah, I mean she's great. So she's I've been a big fan of her since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have you seen um, But I'm a Cheerleader? Not yet. Yeah. Um, so I covered that um, movie on this podcast um, uh, almost a year ago with uh, Gavin from our fr- a friend of the show, Gavin, from the Mixed Reviews podcast. Um, I think that's like another great kind of gay romantic comedy. Um, but- yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I feel like I should because I'm a pretty big Natasha Leon fan. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I freaking love Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. She's so... And also, she, Jamie Babbitt, I know, the film's director, I know has filmed some episodes of Russian Doll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like a, a collaborator with Natasha Leon, and uh, she's done a, a number of kind of lesbian-centric films um, with often with like, some very cool actresses like Avi Paza and Judy Greer and um, mm-hmm. yeah she's uh, yeah she's great um, yeah I'm trying to think if there's any other like major like queer romantic comedies that you know I'm, I'm trying to think of um, I mean I think like a you know, a lot of movies that I remember from the 90s, like, have, like, kind of weird homophobic comedy. Um, and thankfully, that's, like, yeah. gone now. Um, yeah. For the most part. But, because, like, I think that, like, it's really, um, yeah, it's really, I think, important. I think, like, what we're talking about with these, like, queer characters not being the butt of jokes, like, I think it's, like, something that, like, can't really be done anymore just because, like, it's just, like, not in fashion. Not that it was ever, like, good, but, like, definitely in the 80s and 90s, like, it was sort of, like, in, it was maybe not acceptable, but accepted, if that makes sense, so. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, we didn't have social media back then to, like, call things out, and I think, yeah, like... Um, so what is, like, what are some kind of cliches of, like, you know, queer romance movies or queer movies in general that really kind of rattle you and kind of make you roll your eyes of, like, you're just, like, tired of seeing it? Huh. Good question. Well, obviously, uh, there's wanting to see more happy, uh, more queer romances that end in on a on a happy note. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm kind of drawing a blank. Yeah, I think for me um, is like sort of the like narrative of like um, like kind of like the normalish guy who is like falls in love with, like, the jock, you know? And that's something that, like, I feel like I've seen in, you know, not only, like, movies, but, like, on TV shows. And, like, that's something that even, like, you know, Love, Simon does, um, which is, like, you know, he's, like, kind of, like, a a normal, everyday kind of guy. And then, like, he just happens to, like, fall for, um, like fall for like this like handsome kind of popular jockish athletic guy and it's like okay yeah i mean like i know like our like i know like society is like 
you know, romanticizes that and idealizes that. And, like, that's fine. And that's really, I mean, it's relatable just because, like, you know, athletes kind of have that, like, confidence that just, you know, allures people. Um, but, like, for example, like, in Love, Simon, like, one of the, like, one of the clues is, like, um, like, the secret admirer, Blue, like, says he, like, had a crush on Jon Snow. So there's, like, a scene of Simon, like, walking through his halls and looking at guys who, like, happen to be wearing Game of Thrones shirts and, like, a couple of the guys are just, like, not, like, athletic types. Like, they have very, like, normal kind of, like, bear-type bodies or whatever. And, like, I was, like, oh, man. It was, like, oh, man, like, would Simon be disappointed that, like, if his, like, dream crush turned out to be someone who didn't have that, like, six-pack look or whatever? And I just like, kind of, like, I don't know, depressed mm-hmm. me for a, for a little bit. Um, but then I was, like, I'm totally projecting, obviously, and I was like, that's not something that this movie is exploring, and that's something that I shouldn't, like, you know, like, whatever. It's not not a big... I was like, it's, this is not something I should hold the, against the movie just because, like, it's not really a part of it. Um, but, I mean, it's something that I've seen, and, like, uh, like, there was, like, a number of, like, queer romance movies that I saw on, like, Netflix a while ago, and they all kind of had that, like, thing of, like, oh, the shy guy falls in love with, like, you know, the popular guy. And it's like... I don't know, it's a, kind of a cliche that I'm kind of, like, over. I mean, it's the same kind of thing with, like, heterosexual romance movies where it's, like, you know, like, that, that like, Twilight thing of, like, the shy girl and, like, the popular guy. Well, okay, I mean, here's the question that I have for you that I was thinking about, you know. Like, when something is, like, kind of the first of its kind and it's, like, the most, like, basic version of it, like like love simon being like the first kind of mainstream gay romantic comedy and it's sort of like the most like you know uh i i don't mean this in a negative way but like middle of the road kind of thing where it's like you know checks all the cliches you know does everything that's like you know that would be expected of it um but like you know like do you think that like that could lead to like more like nuanced or more like diverse, more interesting kind of mainstream gay romantic comedies. I would hope so. Yeah. Because uh, well, Hollywood is a is a town where money, where they follow the money, and if I mean uh, it's weird because they I feel like if movies like if they made if more if they made because Love Simon made a decent amount of money if I, I like to think it'll lead to more movies like it yeah but i don't want i don't want them to i don't want the, i don't want love silent success to feel like a studios doing their part and then moving and then moving on to the more heteronormative storylines because i yeah I'm, I'm happy for the success of love simon i just don't want it to feel it just shouldn't have to feel like a lightning in a bottle type situation yeah yeah um yeah i mean i i agree with that i think that it was um i think it's the kind of thing where yeah like hopefully it leads to more and that like is really successful and yeah like when i i mean when i after moonlight won best picture i was when i, I was happy that that achieved that monumental one by but I was also like, I don't want them to, I don't want the Academy to feel like they did their part, which is why I was nervous about the possibility of 
Call Me By Your Name getting snubbed for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, do you have any um, final thoughts on queer ro- queer romance or anything you wanted to add or any other like suggestions or um, insights? Well, I know I know earlier it seemed like I was a little when I first talked about calling her name it sounded like I was a little harsh, but uh, fear fear not, fear not, fellow admirers. I do passion I do passionately love this film. And as I said, we could use as I said more happy endings. While well, well, the U.S. and the U- the U.S. and the U.K. have there are some uh, terrific queer, mo- queer romances within the U.S. and the U.K. Yeah. I think we should also uh, we should also look at we should also uh, and more people should also check out uh, romances from all all across the globe. Like not just the way he looks, but uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is now mm-hmm. streaming on Hulu. I, I actually just uh, rewatched that the other day and. Wow, does it does it improve? And yeah, uh, I mean, well, that's a movie that like has a sad ending, but it's like bittersweet. But you also feel yeah. like, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but like, you know, and speaking of like endings, like it leaves you with like, I don't know, it's weird. Like, it's just like it's the kind of ending where you just feel very like. I don't know, energized. I don't know, it's it's hard to explain without spoiling it, but definitely all listeners should, I think, watch that film because I think it's, like, gonna, like, go down as, like, you know, one of the best movies of, you know, the decade or the century, whatever. Yeah, like, Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, like for me, like I was like, I feel like I'm just a, a lot harder on Love Simon than I thought. But like watching it today, like definitely, I really enjoyed watching the movie, and I was definitely crying at all the right parts, and felt very like life affirmed after. Even though like it, it feels like very much like the most um, like mainstream version of itself. But like I said, I think that's a good thing all in all, and I think that like. It's um, in some ways it like does a lot of things that I like can't stand about like queer movies, but like does it well enough that like I'm willing to forgive it. And if I have any listeners who are like that age and you know have been affected by the movie or inspired by it, like I would love to hear because I'm really curious if like like am I just some like old guy who's like. <laughs> You know, oh my god, the teens are gonna love this movie. Like, it's gonna impact them, and like, no one's watching it anymore. Um, I don't, you know, like, that's like the big fear. Um, but yeah, like, I, uh, I feel like it's like, you know, I think it does more good than harm. And I think all the things that I criticize about it, like, are just things where it's like, again, like, I want something that's like a little bit more like specific you know, and diverse, but yeah, I mean, I guess like the good thing is, you know, the main, the main love interest in the movie is, you know, as a, as a black young teen. So that's good. Um, (laughs) and Jewish as well. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Good, sweet movie. Uh, highly recommend if you have not seen it in a while, because like it's yeah, really sweet movie. And Jennifer Garner, you know, God bless her soul. I think she's like, (laughs) such a warm presence in the movie <laughs> um so matt where can uh people find you online and tell us about all your projects that you're working on yeah sure i'm uh, 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at filmguy619. And I'm a, as for my writing, I'm a contributor on Award Circuit and Cinema Centuries. And you can find my occasional writing on places like Slash Film and Awards Watch. And you can also be sure to check out, listen to the Oscar Revisionist podcast, where I, uh, a podcast that serves as an ode to the Oscar unnominated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great podcast. I was on an episode talking about Hustlers, um, yes. which is like, I mean, that counts as a queer movie, right? <laughs> it's queer friendly. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and you can find me on Twitter at themanish89 and uh, follow the podcast at if hot to be you. Um, also look out for my podcast with uh, Dave Giannini, uh, queer and now. Um, and uh, you can look at my writing on talkfilmsociety.com and some other places. Uh, Matt, thank you so so much for doing this with me. I had a lovely time chatting with you about queer cinema, something that we both are very passionate about. So, thanks again. Thanks for having me. And to listeners, I hope you are having a great day. Thanks for listening, and hope you enjoy Pride Month 2020. It's going to be very different having it virtually, I think, but uh, hopefully it'll be a fun and enriching experience. Thanks for listening. Bye.